Hi, I'm Jo Flanagan and I'm the CEO of Women's Health Tasmania. Welcome to an episode of She's Out There, a podcast series on women's health. This podcast is good for any woman in Australia, but it's really helpful if you live in Tasmania. There are resources to go with today's podcast available on our website. I'm sitting in the work car at, where are we? The Punch Bowl Punch Reserve? Bowl, yeah. yeah, beautiful slice of Launceston. And we're here because we can't afford a recording studio, so we use the little work press and it does just as well. And I'm joined today by Sue Mallett. Hi, Sue. Hi. Thank you very much for joining us and today to talk about menopause. I feel like we should have music that goes... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Steam coming out of there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A few hot flushes happening here. <laughs> yeah. So I understand you're a fellow of the Menopause Society, is that it? A fellow's probably pushing it. I'm interested in menopause and I've been to quite a few of the conferences. And so they just have a list of, of doctors who are interested in menopause so that if women are wanting to see somebody who's got a special interest in menopause, they, they can go to the website and get a list of doctors and go to somebody who's close to them who might be able to help them. So explain, please, for those uh, women who haven't been through it, um, what is menopause? Well, menopause is really when the ovaries stop producing an egg uh, each month. So it, technically, it's really the end of a woman's fertile period of their, of their life. And the symptoms that we often get around menopause are associated with the body readjusting to, to that new set of circumstances. And really the only way that you know that somebody's been through the menopause is go, oh, you haven't had a period for 12 months, you must have gone through the menopause. There isn't really, you can't tell until afterwards that somebody's been through the menopause. Okay, so often people do ask, am I going through menopause? Yes. So what, what are the kind of symptoms that are classically... So they're, they're many and varied. I mean, I guess, I think the thing we all think about is the hot flushes. And they tend to happen a little bit further down the track. Um, a lot of symptoms happen that, that kind of creep up on you. And so classically, um, women perhaps don't sleep quite as well as they were, or um, they might get more anxious or um, not feel so good mentally or become a little bit forgetful. Sometimes they can get skin changes. Their skin can feel a little bit drier. Um, they can get vaginal symptoms, so some vaginal dry or some urinary symptoms and then obviously classically the hot flushes that, that we think about there too. So many and varied but often have a gradual onset and so people don't realise until they're in the thick of it that, mm. that they're going through the perimenopause or the menopause. So don't sleep as well but um, do need the sleep because they're very tired don't they? It's absolutely, classic, absolutely yeah. yeah and you know so it's not always because of hot flushes it's just there is a biochemical thing that makes you not sleep as well oh, so right. you're right you need more sleep but you're not getting it yeah. and so that feeds into that cycle of um, irritability and anxiety and forgetfulness. So what what's the difference between perimenopause and menopause? <laughs> It's, it's a bit of semantics, really. Perimenopause is the five years leading up to the menopause. So, and so I spend a lot of time talking to women about perimenopause because you can tell if a woman's symptomatic that she's probably in that perimenopausal period, but you can't actually say that you're menopausal until you haven't had a period for 12 months. So a lot of the times I would use perimenopause um, in maybe if a woman's sort of 45, 46 plus, you're probably going to be in that perimenopausal transition and then menopause would be perhaps be 50 plus, but it's not really, I, I don't think they're particularly helpful. 
And is it true, or is this an old wives' tale that your menopause will be like your mother's? No, there is some truth to it. Um, so if your if your mother went through menopause later on in life, then you're probably going to go through menopause later on in your life. If you've had a hysterectomy, um, if your ovaries have been removed, you would go into menopause pretty quickly after that. If your ovaries haven't been removed, you'd still tend to go into into menopause a couple of years earlier than you would had you not had a hysterectomy. I suppose this explains why women say, why aren't people specific with me? <laughs> it does sound like it's very different from woman to woman. Absolutely. And and it's, I think it's the fact that these symptoms kind of creep up on you. And, you know, sometimes people go, wouldn't it be nice to have a blood test to know whether, you, whether you're menopausal, perimenopausal? Really, in women over the age of about 45, a blood test is a waste of time. The whole point about menopause is that the hormone levels are fluctuating. So you can get somebody who's got outrageous symptoms and you do a hormone level and it's nearly normal and it's really tricky to say, I don't think you're menopausal, oh. <laughs> and then you want to run away. But if you did the same woman... Um, blood test another day you'd find that those levels could fluctuate so dramatically so there's very little point in doing blood tests. I guess the other thing is that there is often an awful lot going on for women at that stage in their lives. They're often juggling a career, maybe caring for relatives, still caring for their children and so sometimes it can be difficult to tease out how much of this is because life is really complicated and you've got an awful lot going on and how much are your hormones having an impact on it. Mm. Yeah, there's um, a lot of women talk about a feeling of invisibility, which absolutely can be all those care responsibilities, can't it? It, it can do, and a lot of women are in that um, the mm. sandwich generation that you're squashed with with um, commitments at, at all stages and all areas of your life, and it's very very difficult to to keep all of the balls juggled up in the air without dropping a few. So, um, what kind of advice do you give to women about how to manage the symptoms? they're describing? Um, I think it's really important to to talk to somebody about what's going on um, for them. I mean it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody needs to have medication but there's an awful lot you can do lifestyle wise to, to help with that transition and if things are becoming problematic it's really important to get some help. There are some very good treatments, not all of them are a hormone replacement although hormone replacement has got a really important part to play in this um, but I would I would talk to people who um, will really listen to what, to what your experience is and, and to help you navigate through that and what you do one day may not necessarily be what you need to do in six months' time. It's, it's, it's um, I hate the word journey, but it is a little bit of a, of a journey that things change as, as time goes on and your needs may change. So, I mean, there's a few things in that I'd like to talk about. The lifestyle things that people can do. Yep. What, what kind of things are you thinking about there? Oh, exercise is really important. We know that the rates of anxiety and depression are really... Um, really sad for women in their 40s and early 50s they're about five times the the average rate and we know that exercise is a really important thing to to help um, anybody who's suffering from anxiety and depression so um, exercise is really important and uh, keeping connections with with friends and having time out for yourself in the middle of all the all the things that you're trying to to juggle it's a really good time to look at your diet as well. Um, make sure that you've got plenty of calcium in your diet. Make sure that you're getting vitamin D so that you're looking after after your bone health. 
if somebody's a smoker it's a good time to think about stopping smoking because that's going to impact on your health in the next 15-20 um, years mm -hmm. time. If weight is an issue again it's a good time to look at can I do something to help myself here weight wise that it also is going to really impact on what your health is going to be like into the future. And is there a link between menopause and serious mental illness? There, there's, as I say, the, the rates of depression and anxiety, I, mm -hmm. I guess it depends what your definition of serious mental illness, I would say that depression and anxiety are serious mental oh, health yes. problems. So yes. Um, yes, in that sense, there's five times, mm. there's five times the risk there. Mm. Uh, depression and anxiety seems to manifest slightly differently in menopausal women than that it does at women at other ages of their life. So that classic thing of normally reasonably chilled women losing it in the supermarket or in the shop, it seems to be a very quick um, spike in, in irritability of, of not able to tolerate things without or without um, flaring up quite quickly. But also lots of self-esteem issues and um, you know very commonly women talk about um, not feeling loved in their home environment or that, that their kids or their partner doesn't love them. A lot of really really sad self-esteem issues that, that women cope with at that time of their life too. And can we talk a bit about hormone replacement therapy? Yes. It had for a long time there were some connections in people's minds with breast cancer. Yeah. Now is that evidence been contested or is that still? No, the, the evidence has always been there that there is a very slight increased risk of breast cancer um, and that hasn't really changed. The risk is really low. To get it in perspective, Joe, if you had a drink of a glass of white wine every night your risk of developing breast cancer would be higher than going on HRT. Sorry, I just put <laughs> up my hand for that one. We're both looking <laughs> nervously. <laughs> so um, there is a slightly increased risk, but it's quite a low increased risk um, compared to other things that are, that are higher risk for breast cancer. And the risk seems to be the longer that you are on HRT. So generally the risk doesn't go up until people have been on it for about five years and then that risk does start to increase slightly. There are lots of other benefits for HRT in terms of um, mental health, physical health, um, and so I think it needs to be balanced. It's not for everybody, but it was a great pity the um, the HRT scare of 10, 15 years ago. And I'm old enough to remember women who just stopped taking HRT overnight and had terrible, terrible symptoms, which lasted for, for a long, long time. And really there was no need for those women to come off HRT like that. Um, there are lots of different sorts of HRT. There are patches, there are tablets, there are um, pessaries that you insert into the vagina. So um, generally you can find something that's going to work well for you. And a lot of it depends on what your particular symptoms are to get the best um, response to to what those symptoms are. For, so for some people, it may be that they want to use vaginal oestrogen that will help with any vaginal dryness that they might have or urinary symptoms. And they may want to look at using um, another type of medication to help with if the anxiety or the depression symptoms are particularly bad. Or they may want to use a, a combination patch that's just got oestrogen and progesterone in it that's going to help 
um, with all of the symptoms that are happening for their bodies. So it is a question of taking your time. We tend to use much lower doses now than we used to. What we used to do is give people a very big dose, get them feeling better and then try and wean back the dose. We know now that if you start off with a low dose and gradually build it up, you can get the same end response, but you don't tend to get the same sort of side effects with going with a high dose initially. So talk to your health professional. Talk to your health professional. Um, I think it's a good thing to do to possibly make a longer appointment when you go and talk to your health professional so that you've got time to get your questions answered and to be heard. The other thing I'd do is I'd have a look at websites like the Jean Hales um, or the Australian Menopause Society website. They've got some really good information on there about things that you can do to help yourself and they've got some good symptom checklists too. So often if you go to your health professional with your, with your list of things then you um, you can kind of move things along a little bit quicker and if you don't find that you're getting your concerns listened to important to remember that different health professionals we've all got different areas that we're interested in and so if you're not feeling like you're getting hurt I would suggest that you go and see somebody who will listen to what your concerns are. So folks we'll have the links to those websites on our website and this podcast but how would women find a GP who has an interest in menopause? Hopefully a lot of GPs now do have an interest in, in menopause. I often think go and see your GP, have a conversation with them and you'll know whether they feel comfortable with talking yeah. about menopause and HRT. If you don't have a GP or you're not getting the answers that, that you would like, then if you go to the Australian Menopause Society, you'll find a list of GPs who have a special interest in menopause and so you could find somebody there. Though a lot of the doctors at Family Planning have a special interest in menopause. What I used to do was to suggest that people tried a lot of non-hormonal um, and, and herbal properties to try and help with their menopause symptoms before you went on to HRT and I went to a very interesting lecture where they said actually the evidence for a lot of the um, herbal preparations is not very good and actually what you're getting women to do is to spend millions and millions of dollars which doesn't actually achieve anything very much and it was quite a, a powerful lesson to me that we tend to, to try herbal things first of all and there is a place for them but I would say that if symptoms aren't being relieved and life is getting difficult for you, I would certainly go and talk to somebody about what your other options are because the evidence for um, herbal treatments is, is not very good um, in helping a lot of the symptoms that women get. Oh, that's good advice. Thanks, Sue. Mm. I mean, menopause is a funny kind of a topic, isn't it? I remember um, announcing at work that I was having hot flushes one day. And, um, As you do. Yeah, well, I thought you did, and I got quite a shocked response. And, um, and uh, clearly, I felt like I'd missed the memo that you're not meant to talk about hot flushes, mm-hmm. that, it was, that it was a vulgar topic in some way. So there is a funny kind of view about menopause, isn't there? Absolutely. Do you come across that much? Yes, I do. And I think um, when I'm training some of the um, registrars coming through I just think it is often really really difficult for women to talk about the symptoms they're experiencing because we do have such a negative view of menopause in our society I actually prefer some of uh, different cultures interpretations of menopause so we tend to be really really negative about people no longer being fertile and we, we have such a focus on youth that women become invisible as you're saying 
And whereas in a lot of cultures, menopause is a really celebrated time for women's lives. And the concept is that before the menopause, women have often been uh, inwardly focused, raising a family, uh, looking after people. And then often at the time of menopause, the children have left home and then they've got this lifetime of experience and, and knowledge and they can turn that externally for, for the good of the world. And you think of there are some really powerful women in their, in their 40s and 50s who've really found their voice. And that to me is a much better way, a much more positive way of thinking and feeling about the menopause. So that's the way I choose to review. Oh, that's fantastic. God, Do you know that Margaret Mead quote, Margaret Mead the anthropologist? No. Um, there's no power in the world like a menopausal woman with zest. <laughs> See that? This is the way to look at menopause. I think that's probably the quote to end our discussion on menopause.